podcast one production. commentator and journalist Greg Rust and this is Rusty's Garage. Evil Knievel was a motorcycle stunt daredevil whose death-defying jumps coupled with his showmanship made history in the 60s and 70s. The modern-day equivalent in many people's eyes is an Aussie by the name of Robbie Madison. Robbie grew up on the coast south of Sydney but these days his talents have wowed audiences right round the world. I caught up with him while he was back down under for one of the biggest dirt bike racing events of the year, the AusX Open, which his son was competing in. Even a man with nerves of steel like his is no match when that protective parental gene takes over. I am a nervous dad. I mean, it's great to be at the AusX Open. I think the... the uh the atmosphere, the the energy here is, is awesome. It's electric. It's you know has this everything of a US event, and uh, to be riding here is special for me. But even to have my son out here is is, is something else. You know, I'd, for a long time I've been saying he's not going to be a motorcycle rider, and whether I like it or not, this is he's following in my footsteps. He watches it. He's been watching it ever since he's been a baby. So he just wants to catch air. He tells me he wants to fly, and that's what I used to say when I was his age. That's really cool. Um, we'll talk more about how you're inspiring people in that regard. Even a new book that you've got out for young kids um, at the moment. What's your earliest memories of, of going fast and a connection with a with a motorcycle? Oh, wow. Um, well, I, I remember the first time I rode vividly, you know, I was uh, on a peewee and, uh, and, I mean, that time was was a short time but I quickly jumped the, the 50 until I broke it and I got onto, onto a cake 60 and that's when I remember going fast I had six gears a clutch I remember hanging off the back of that thing <laughs> feet flying backwards and uh, I actually remember my dad uh, getting on it and, and he hit the power and just ripped him up on a wheelie and, and he was out of control so it's um, yeah the earliest memory uh, is, is on a cake 60 I was like a, a flea on a dog's back and uh, I remember starting on the start line standing beside the bike and getting it going and then swinging the leg over and but, uh, yeah, I mean, I've just been, ever since riding motorcycles for the first time, I remember just experiencing the freedom of it and, and then just the meditative kind of experience you get because there's so much going on in a motorcycle and motorcycle riders know this. There's no time to think about what's going on in the past, the future. It's just all right here, right now. It puts you in the present in, in the present form and, and that's where I like to operate. So that's why I just love riding bikes because, it's to me, it's meditation. <laughs> A lot of people in life, um, you know, maybe it's a teacher at school or sometimes mum and dad, you'll talk to people like you and the teachers have often said to them, you know, hey, get serious here, you need to get a real career or parents try to dissuade them. Did that happen to you or are you always encouraged to do this? Well, all through school, funny enough, I never told anyone I rode motorcycles because I had my motorcycle stolen when we lived at Winuna on the south coast and when we moved to Kiama, I just, I maintained that I didn't have bikes and when people saw them and asked them about them, I said, oh, they're my cousins, my dad works on them. So no one knew I rode motorcycles. So it was a really shock to everyone I went to high school with when all of a sudden, you know, I became on the world stage. They're like, how did you do that? You never rode. And I'm like, oh, well, actually I rode for 10 years. You just never knew. <laughs> so I never really spoke about it. So no one really, I never got to hear people's opinions. But, um, but yeah, I was told um, by my dad, actually, you know, to that. I will, he's like, you're not going to become a, free, a motorcycle rider, uh, a professional. He's like, you need to go and do a trade, something that you can come back on. He's like, and once you get your trade, then by all means, you have my blessing to go and um, pursue it. Yeah, but he said, go get your trade first so you have something to fall back on. So I did it. I went and got my trade, become a Sparky. And during that time, 
life took some turns and um, you know I had meningitis and and funny enough I, I was I was happy to be an electrician and I had a plan to go to uh, over to the west coast and go on the big mines and that was my plan and then after meningitis I was like man I always had this dream to ride a motorcycle and, and I realised how fragile life was after being on my deathbed with meningitis I was like you only get one shot at life and my ultimate goal was to ride a motorcycle for a living and at least just I'd been, seen Crossy Demons I'd seen Dane Kennard Luke Urek guys I grew up racing with they're out there in Krusty Demons and, and riding with the American guys and I knew I used to race these guys I was on their level I'm like I can do this and then so I, I after leaving the Krusty show I had a new goal changed my ways up from from what I was doing at the time and started riding dirt bikes every opportunity I could and, and, and soon enough I asked my boss for some time off and he said no and I said oh well I'm, I'm quitting and he said, well, how can you quit, you know? And I said, he's like, you own a house. And I said, yeah, I, I know. But luckily enough, I bought the house at, a, at the right time. So I was able to uh, get a, um, a loan on the equity I had built up in the house, which was which was really cool. And, and so I took a, a, a loan out and self-funded myself, quit working, followed my dream to ride dirt bikes. And I thought, if it doesn't work out, I can sell the house and, and, and not owe anyone a cent. And fortunately enough, it worked out. That's a big punt. Were there ever moments where you went, man, I'm not sure this is going to work? You know, to, to do what I have done, every every step of the way, every decision's all in gamble. So from from the time of like, you know, fi- refinancing my house to fu- to fund my dream, right through my whole career, everything's been all in. You know, all chips on black or red or whatever it is. You know, so you know when you jump on world records, you're going up over the buildings. Um, you know, over the Corinth Canal, London Tower Bridge, all the stuff I've done, even freestyle motocross. You know, doing body burials and backflips. It's if you're not 100% committed to it, if there's an ounce of you that's second-guessing it, surely enough, something's going to go wrong. And and I think that's where, how it is, even for the guys that are behind the gate racing up for, for uh, going into a race. You know, they're all in, confident that they're just going to give it their all. There's nothing left on the table. And and so that's just how life's been for me. And, and even now, you know, I've worked so hard and I'm about to take another financial risk where I'm putting everything back on the table because uh, I just, I'm following my dreams and then that's what it's about for me. Uh, even this bike and this development of this bike that I'm trying to do, it's been self-funded so much, this, this part of it and um, for the long, for the, for the majority of it. And yeah, it's like from the, from the outside looking in, it probably looks like it's a glory lifestyle, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a rocky road and you never know when you're going to fall. And, and, um, and so I just live by the seat of my pants. I keep following my dreams and I just keep backing myself in. I'll talk a bit more about your career then in a minute, but can you share a bit more about that bike and what you're planning to do there? Yeah, so the bike, um, you know, a lot of people have said, you know, I've heard the opinions around the place and and I totally get it. You know, a, a lot of brands um, don't really want to jump on top of it because they uh, they're, they're worried about where it's going and, and you know I guess from from an outsider's perspective they're unsure of what I'm doing and it's not really a sport in, in, in uh, it's, it's not a sport you know but in my mind this is going to be a sport of the future you know I, I, I firmly believe I, I you know my partners who are involved with me who, who know the, the the direction that I'm going um, we are all on the same page. We know that this is, is going to be a good thing. So it's, um, you know, I have uh, Body Glove is a sponsor of mine. And it may seem weird that I'm running Body Glove on my bike because they're, you know, famously a surf brand. But their slogan is all things water. So that's where I fit into their to their to their marketing and their branding and and um, you know they people saw me do Pipe Dream and that was a motorcycle with skis on it and I recently went to Cloud Break in Fiji to try and get the barrel that I was after that didn't work out I copped a lot of flack off um, Stab Magazine they did a full article and, and a lot of people had opinions on, on on how what I was doing was stupid and and even people just attacking me directly and and 
at the end of the day, I you know I let it brush off my shoulders, and I was like, you know what, this is motivating me to to follow through. It's been a long road of a lot of ups and downs, and it's been times where I've thought this is too much and I've given up, but. To make this work, I needed to find the right people, and I'm talking about engineers that are at the top of their game. and And I don't know how to find those people. I guess I, I was thinking about do I go to, you know, to these universities and, and ask for who their top, you know, mechanical engineers are, and, and start figuring it that way. And I thought, you know what, if it's meant to be, it'll happen. Mm-hmm. That's my philosophy with, with life. And um, and so I just follow my heart and I put myself in the right place. And, and I know I'm in the right place at the right time when when things just start. Click and the, and the and the planet started aligning. And two weeks ago, I was I was doing some um, rehabilitation. Actually, um, it's a trial procedure I was doing, and this um, a neurologist came in and he showed me how he flew a jetpack. And 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 I said, who who made the jetpack? And he said, oh, this kid here. And it was like a guy next to him, and he's younger than me. And I said, you made it. And he said, yeah. And I said, how old are you? And he's like, I'm 30. And I was like, wow, that's that's impressive. And uh, I said, how long did it take you to make it? And he said, well, from idea to finished project, it took me six months. I was like, wow, I've been working on this motorcycle for five years and it hasn't really developed too much. I said, mate, I need someone like you to help me finish off my project of where I'm doing. He's like, oh, the bike on the water, he knew who I was, knew what I was about. And he's like, I'd love to help you. Mm-hmm. So right there, we had a match made in heaven. And uh, between him and some other partners, we are modeling this thing out. It's, it's, it's moving forwards. And hopefully early next year, we're gonna have a prototype built, do a badass film. And, and, and ex- ex- expose to the world what, what's going on in my mind and, and hopefully have the, a tool for the future so people can convert their motorcycles to jet skis, uh, and, well, a, a jet ski hybrid motorcycle where you've got a foot of suspension, all the luxuries of a dirt bike, handle and feel like a dirt bike but on the water. And that's what I wanted to create. That's what I always envisioned. Uh, you know, As a kid surfing on the south coast of Kiama, I'd always sit in the ocean. I, I used to think, how good would it be to jump off this wave to that one over there? And now that's what my goal is. That's my, my vision. So... I'm going to turn my KTM from 72 horsepower to 150 horsepower, supercharge it, and uh, the thing's going to float, and we're going to be able to do freestyle motocross on the water. That is mighty. That is mighty. And for people that are listening that, you know, might think that sounds like a crazy pipe dream, you've done some unbelievable things with dirt bikes on the water. How much planning has gone into that? Do you enjoy the engineering challenge of all that? And, and it takes time, mate, doesn't it, to, to execute it? Yeah, 100%. It's, it's something that's uh, humbled me and has made me understand a lot more about life, you know, because uh, for the most part, the last 10 years has just been going from event to event, which is which is cool, it's exciting, but I realised a few few years ago, like, oh, all right, this time of my life's coming to an end, I've had back surgery, I've had all these head injuries, I've, you know, I have uh, post-traumatic impact syndrome, so when I take a big spill, I literally die on the way to hospital, um, you know, I have to get inebriated and put on life support every time I have a head injury. So it's a rocky road, now that the kids are around, I'm like, they're my main goal, um, and so I I started this whole thing to follow my dream and my dream has changed from wanting to be the best at freestyle now I'm happy to stand back and, and praise the guys like Harry Bink and Josh Sheen and, and Jacko Strong and Rob Adelberg and all these stars that are of the future now um, happy to look at them and, and know that I had I inspired them and, 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 I'm, and I'm the first to say I'm not on their level and, and uh but you know to ride here at the Ozx Open and ride with them is, is awesome for me I'm having such a great time out there but yeah, to follow this dream of mine um, and to now make this bike. Now, that's where my vision's at. I want to make this bike, and there's a few other things that I want to do that are totally outside of freestyle motocross. And, yeah, it seemed like a long road, and it's been it's been uh, – it's had its, its ups and downs, and there's been for a time where I've had to really dig deep, and, and I've had to think, why am I doing this? And it's cost me money, and, and, and the vision seems so far away of what I want to do, and I actually question myself, am I actually – 
with it you know is this even a re- reality can I even do what I'm envisioning and yeah slowly I've given up and I've come back to realise that it is true it is valuable and, and, and viable and and you know the technology exists to make all this work and, and I knew I didn't have the brains to make it happen but I had the vision and, and it was a matter of finding the people that could help the other pieces of the puzzle it's always a, a team effort no matter what any, any amazing feat is always a team effort and so I just had to build the right team and I feel I've got the power team now and, and I think that we're well on our way to make this thing a reality. This is Greg Rust and you're listening to Rusty's Garage. Mark Webber is one of the most determined racers you'll meet. From humble beginnings, his Aussie grit saw him rise to crazy heights in Formula One before helping Porsche's World Endurance Championship sports car program, bringing some brilliant people together to make their iconic 919 title winning race car. So then we got that up to like 30 people and and started to reinvest in areas where it was going to be more comfortable for us. I said, if we invest in these departments, there's going to be less mistakes from the drivers. The car's going to be more predictable. We're going to have an easier product to use in all conditions, even in the rain, at night, on slicks, whatever, you know. Listen to the full episode with Mark Webber here on Rusty's Garage. Brake bias. The distribution of braking power across the front and back of your car. Of all the feats that you've done, and I mean, they're countless. I mean, you talked before about Corinth Canal, I mean, Arc de Triomphe in Vegas, uh, London Tower Bridge. I mean, there's so many things that you've you've done. And jumping over 100 metres, for example, I mean, it's just mega, mate. Is there one that stands out? Is there a thing that you're most proud of? Or is it a fact that you've had a crack at all of these and that there is seemingly no limits in some respects? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I think my career has definitely moulded me. It's changed my perspective on life. Um, and looking back, I'm pretty happy to just say, well, I had a great career, you know, and I'm, I'm very proud of it. So there's not really one that stands out because they all have their own special place. I mean, I have to say the building jump in, in Vegas on and off the Arc de Triomphe was probably the standout moment of my career just because of the exposure it got. And it was so far of left field for what was expected at the time that it, it, it hit well it was good for me it put me on the map for sure and and then I think the pipe dream stuff was great and I think some people like from what I've seen online people are like oh stop beating a dead horse you know but they don't realise what I'm trying to do with this thing so um, I think you know moving on I think this bike you know in the future could maybe become my, my, the, my best work yet um, so it's uh, and then beyond that I have another plan and it's going to be with these same partners of, of evolving the bike and making it do something else that's pretty special so I, the, the future's bright I'm excited and these ideas of, of combining the forefront of technology with, with where, my, where, where my mind's at where my imagination's at it's, it's an exciting journey Tell me about your first bike and have you I spoke to Daryl Beatty about this very recently he's actually gone back and found the first ever motorcycle that he owned and he's going through a restoration process have you have you kept any bikes along the way that you've cherished maybe your first bike or anything along, the, along those lines well my first bike I just don't know what happened to it it's a bummer but um, not long ago my wife bought um, the same model 
and my dad restored it for me so I have a 1985 QR50 which is really cool it's in mint condition actually it's no mint condition my nephew crashed it and bent, it, bent the vase but, uh, what mods any mods on it no mods it's just stock the way I wrote it um, my dad did a lot of work to re- um, recondition the plastics and all that kind of stuff but uh, I actually have kept all the special bikes that I've done stuff over from all the years so I have about 35 motorcycles and wow. um, they're not all in the original conditions because a lot of them I did something spectacular on it then I you know for instance my, uh, my 250 that I jumped on and off the arc the Triumph I did that jump but then I rode it for another year in freestyle motocross competition so it's not how it was on the night but one day I'll get back to restoring it back to how it was and yeah it's cool I got a I got a massive shed full of all these projects for the future so I'm going to be happy tinkering around in my garage when I'm an old man nice I ask people often um, what's in the garage what do they like to what's it what's the daily drive or ride for Robbie Madison and is there a little something special that you like to take out every once in a while um I really want to buy the Tesla, the Type S. Wow. Um, one of my friends has one, and, and he's the guy that's actually another partner in this water bike project, but he does 3D modelling. So he modelled the Tesla without the panels on it, and then he modelled a Lamborghini with the panels on it, and then he can make the Lamborghini's kit fit directly on the Tesla, and the thing looks amazing. So it's a hybrid kind of... It's the top of it's a Tesla, but the bottom of it's a Lamborghini, and it looks awesome. And, uh, and you know, so he did... I think he built that car he bought it for 50,000 years, and his kit is about 6,000 US and then he did the leather interior but all up around 60,000 US for this um, for a used Tesla that looks like some from I mean a really really nice high end car so I want a Tesla just because I like the fact of you know the new technology the electric you know zero emissions all that kind of stuff I love that I love what Elon Musk is doing where his mind's at and what he's doing so I want to support Elon Musk's program I'd love to meet the guy one day but uh, but yeah my everyday um, has been an Escalade we actually just got rid of it before I flew back here now I've got a BMW 7 Series I love that car it's so comfortable but um, I drive a van my everyday driver is a van I drive around in a in like a, the early days probably wasn't of your career yeah. yeah yeah not a Toyota Hiace I drive a GMC it's a 2500 extended cab it's got a wall in it so we've got like a, a, a seat that falls into a, a futon nice. so you can sleep in it and you fit three dirt bikes in the back and it's been beat up but uh, just recently actually the guys at Linex have, have Linexed the outside and the inside of my car so it's finally going to be Maddo proof <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean oh mate if you've seen my way I drive like the there's not a panel on the cars that isn't bent, but yeah. I, when I was testing this water bike, I was driving it down into this area, and I took a chainsaw and cut a tunnel into this in these uh, area that I shouldn't have been at. Uh, I, I found that out um, after the, the state officials came and threatened to take my car, jet ski, and motorcycle off me. But I rode in on the bike, and he's like, "That's really cool, man." He said, "But you're breaking a lot of laws right now." And I said, "I do. I have to follow my dream. I just had to make it happen." And he's like get out of here he's like I meant to take all this stuff off you he said I'm not going to but yeah my car going in and out of that tunnel it's just uh, through the trees it's branches and stuff scratching it but uh, yeah my wife and I don't have too, too good a track record of keeping cars straight but you know we're there to drive them but uh, yeah one day I'd like to have an old school hot rod you know a rat rod is what I like to have a rat rod and, and, uh, and a rat Harley something like that I'd, I'd like I like things that are not too classy you know I'm I'm, I'm a blue-collar boy and like to keep it humble and I like to just have a ratty rod that's got a lot of horsepower and it's not too flash. Nice, nice. Okay, a couple of final questions for you. The way you're talking, you respect the next generation coming through, which I think is really cool, but you still dig what you do on a bike. It still gives you a massive buzz. So this is not Robbie Madison, although you've got a great new project um, on the boil here. You're far from giving up what you love doing. Is that right? Yeah, I think what I love, and I've just recently had this realisation because I was kind of at a standpoint, even if you spoke 
spoke to me a few months ago where I was like, oh, I don't know if freestyle motocross is for me anymore because it just it's all and out. All of a sudden, it seems really dangerous. But because uh, of family, because yeah. of family and because of the injuries I'm carrying, I, I have uh, a snapped uh, labrum in my right shoulder and a snapped ACL that it's, it's been broken since I've been nine years old. But I recently had it fixed and they changed the angle of my leg. And then at the Twins World 12 Hour, the, the guy is out there. I don't know who it is, but some guy ran me over on purpose and snapped my ACL and never stopped to apologise. And, and I went I went to ride off to try and catch up with him. He hit me so hard it derailed my chain, and uh, and so I, I just don't know who the guy is, but it was a blatant like uh, we came together in a corner, just a general. I was in a rut, he jumped into the rut, and I hit the guy, and then we both went down. I got up and I said, "Sorry, dude, you jumped in the rut last time. I had nowhere to go." And it seemed like we were all cool, and then I, I assume I turned my back. He read Madison on my on the back and see the Red Bull helmet, and next minute, out of nowhere, this bike just slammed me from into my knee first in the bike, and then. Uh, so, long story short, I'm carrying a knee injury and a shoulder injury and, and now a back injury. So, because of these injuries, I haven't been able to train. So, I lost my mental kind of health a little bit um, over the last six months. I, uh, from not releasing the endorphins every day when I'm normally training and exercising, I kind of just got myself in a bit of a dark place. And then, uh, and that's when I kind of gave up on the bike thing and was not riding and was not really doing too good. And, um, and then I went and did this rehabilitation thing, um, which is uh, it's amino acids with NADs, and it kind of res- resets all your receptors. And and uh, it's a trial thing for people with like um, with, with uh, you know alcohol abuse, drug abuse, head injuries. That's why I went because of the head injuries I've had. Um, they reckon that they can restore you from. So if, if I'd have had this right after I've had my last seizure, they may have been able to like restore me right away rather than have it take. Because the last seizure I had, it took about three years for me to really kind of wow. get. I mean, I could speak and stuff. But my 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 memory was shot and my recollection was really cloudy. And it's kind of like I had this mental fog going on where it just seemed like I was in the mist all the time. And only recently I've, I've been able to get the clarity back. Um, and so and I'm not sure if that's tied to some candida stuff. But anyway, it's uh, I've put my body through the ringer and and it for for the most part it started to really kind of get me down. But uh, yeah, just recently I realised I love riding my dirt bike. I feel good on the bike again. I rode here yesterday and and all of a sudden it all clicked again. And I feel good. But uh, I think I'm going to... My plan is after I have these surgeries is to get myself back to the best fitness I've been at, even as an old man, and, and just keep riding my bike, riding with the kids. So there's a lot of enjoyment for me to have in the future. and I hope to be able to go trail riding and, and stuff with the family and, you know, obviously at a different pace, but motorcycles is a lifestyle for me and I, and I want to keep riding them until the day I die. It's been fantastic to spend some time with you, mate. You've got a fantastic new book out for youngsters at the moment. You've got a great motto in life, and I have no doubt that that's inspiring that next generation. Thanks, Russ. It's a pleasure to talk to you, and it's a pleasure to be back here in Australia and see all the fans and, and, and feel the warmth and, and stuff. And I learned a lot of people bought the book, and so I hope that that book inspires the, the next Robbie Madison. On the next episode of Rusty's Garage, I talk with someone whose love of cars from the past made him an icon of automotive design. He's also hosted the TV series Overhaulin, restoring some incredible machines. His name is Chip Foos. The first episode was going to be a Mustang turned into a lawnmower. Second one was going to be a Ford Explorer turned into a trash truck. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, you're trying to build these monsters on television, and at the end of the episode, there's really no value to the car. You're building it to perform a task. And I'm back at my shop trying to build the most beautiful pieces of rolling, drivable art that I can possibly build. And I thought, you're going to put me on television building these other things that are going to overshadow what I do. So I said no. I wasn't interested in doing it. And it's the best business no I've ever given. Because then a few months later, 
uh, Bud Brutzman, another producer, came in and said, Discovery wants to do a, a show based on your life. Rusty's Garage is recorded for Podcast One. Written and presented by me, Greg Rust. Series producer and editor is Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. If there's someone you want me to talk to on Rusty's Garage, get in touch on the show page at podcastone.com.au. Listen to all the episodes of Rusty's Garage at podcastone.com.au via the Podcast One app or find us on iTunes. I'm Greg Rust. Enjoy the drive, but drive safely. Listener.